Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. We're not going to be talking tech right now. We're going to be talking some other stuff with producer, writer, restaurateur, and now director, the one and only Eddie Huang. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, now did I pronounce Huang correctly? Yeah, you did. Okay. All right. I, I feel like, you know, I'm just, and that, I, I hope this isn't come off. I'm, I'm just going to do what I do. So I spent the whole weekend binge watching uh, the Bruce Lee inspired warrior TV show on uh-huh. HBO max, which for me, I was happy because I get to see oppression, white supremacy play out on another culture. So it was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yay, you all also had a horrible time here. <laughs> Yay! You know, and I and I could appreciate you know all of the the lessons and root for you know the different tongues and uh you know it it was it was great. You came in, your parents, and you immersed yourself in hip hop culture. So I yeah. you know the the flip is interesting. What drew you? Because you had choices, Eddie Huang. You had your dad was doing well. You know your path. You know you went to school. You got your law degree. You know you. You didn't have to do that. What drew you to hip hop? Well, I saw a lot of other <clears throat> kids in my community that assimilated more to whiteness, you know? And I saw that in the assimilation of whiteness, there was like a false freedom that you get. But, but part of that assimilation is that you have to leave your old self. You got to leave your ancestors and a lot of your values and customs and full on identity behind to ascend to whiteness. And then when you ascend to that whiteness, you really just a lap dog. You know, you're not a real full participant. You, you get to be in the building, but you, you have to remain quiet. And for me, I was, I was always picked on and, and I ended up going to like five schools in seven years at one point. And there was always, you know, I'm at a new school. Someone gonna call me an egg roll. Someone gonna call me a Chinaman. And like from the age of five years old, um, someone called me, you know, a Chinaman and pushed me off the slide and broke my arm. And, and my dad just taught me, my dad said, look, you come home beat up, I'm gonna beat you up again. You know, and, and so I learned, I was like, well, I'm gonna have to fight. Or I'm gonna Wait, hold on, up. hold on, Eddie, Eddie, hold on. That That's, that's what black kids learn. <laughs> that, that's a black parent advice to a child. If you show up, I, I will whoop your ass, right? That's how... Yeah. Your father, we don't think about the Asian culture as having those hands, but apparently you had those hands, Eddie. Yeah, my, my dad definitely had hands. My dad, dad definitely had like wooden collar sticks too. But like, <laughs> you know, you know, you, you identify something that's very interesting. And, and I, I, I was talking to Ta-Nehisi Coates once and he was asking me the same question, but it was my dad raised me the way he did, but it felt so alien in America because white people don't raise their children that way for the most part. And I remember going to the grocery store and seeing like white kids in the cart would like knock over apples or oranges. And, and the mom would just, somebody will pick that up. And they expect some Mexican guy or some black guy is going to come over and pick that fruit up and their kids are customers so they could do no wrong. But I remember seeing like, a Muslim black kid once like bust a grape and his mom like just smacked him upside the head and was like, now we got to buy these grapes. And my mom was the same way. My mom was like, don't bruise the fruit. Don't embarrass us. Cause you bruise the fruit. We're going to have to buy it, you know? And, and we would buy it because we didn't want people to think 
we were not well behaved or that we were poor, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I just started to see little things like that, you know, in the community. And, and I just said, well, I definitely don't relate to white culture and whiteness. I don't see that many Asians. And I just started to turn towards black culture um, for answers and for solidarity and to feel less alone and alien because uh, a lot of the other kids at Chinese school, their, their parents just relented and they started to be like, all right, the kid wants to eat McDonald's, just let him eat McDonald's. My dad was very tough and was like, we are not raising you that way. You're gonna know everything about our culture and then you're gonna go out in the world and you're gonna represent us the right way. Why I need 866-801-8255. Drew McCaskill's here. Eddie Huang is here. Uh, Fresh Off the Boat was a book because um, you know, I remember about a deck almost a, 10 years ago, right? Yeah, um, 20, it came out, yep. Okay, and, and it was uh, amazing. It was groundbreaking, you know, but it was you telling your story. It started as a blog, just telling your story, Fresh Off, off the Boat. Now uh, it turned into a, a TV series, which I'm sure a lot of people know on ABC, uh, inspired, which you actually narrate. Um, and, and I'm, you know, as I'm reading your bio, I'm like, you, you, you are English major. So I already love you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, went to law school. Cause you know, I'm sure your parents are like, you gotta get, <laughs> you better go do something valuable, yes. but then stayed in the arts, got into restaurant. I mean, like there's, I, I've been saying this to, to people, this, and it, and it resonated with me. I was raised Jack of all trade, master of none, but I'm like, no experience all facets of who you are. Be all of who you are. Don't let people put you in a box. If you're good at singing and law, sing and do law. You know, don't, if you can write and at the same time, you know, code or do both. I, I think it's important that people explore, explore all facets. Is what allowed you to be able to do that? Well, exactly what you said, you know, and, and every experience that you have is an advantage. And like, this is a very strange example because people wouldn't even see this as an advantage. But, you know, I was arrested uh, when I was 19 and I went through the system. I was on felony probation. Um, wow. And it, it, it was really detrimental to my life. I couldn't get jobs, but I applied to law school. I got into Cardozo Yeshiva and I applied to Cardozo for one main reason, because they had the Innocence Project Clinic there. And I was very interested in, in social justice, especially as it applied to criminal law, because I had a very insane experience. And while applying to schools, going through the system was not an advantage. When I applied to the Innocence Project, there was an incredible attorney named Vanessa Potkin that didn't look down on me, that didn't judge me. She listened to what I had to say about my background. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to hire you for the Innocence Project because you a hustler. And I know that if we need evidence, we need to find a rape kit, you gotta pick up the phone and, and you gotta get somebody to do something, you're gonna do that. And your experience is gonna be helpful and you're gonna be able to talk to our clients in a way that like other students won't because you've had this experience. And I, I was like, that's what I was reminded of when you said, if you like to sing and you wanna be an attorney, do both. Like you could be a music attorney. You know, it, it's every single experience you have as a human, you got to make it work for you. There is a way to take advantage of it. Eddie, you know, it's interesting um, when you talk about, uh, Karen was talking about your story and, 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 um, and fresh off the boat. Uh, I know that you've said in the past that 
what started off as your story of being, you know, really, really clear and kind of gritty got very sort of, you know, Disney-ized and Hollywood-ized, right? Like they gave us like a Disney World version of your story. Yeah. Uh, talk about like the difference between like that actual representation and real, this represents my real story. The great Eddie Huang is with us. Uh, of course, uh, he, uh, fresh off the boat, before we went to break, Drew asked about the scrubbing, the Disney-fying of his story on ABC. Uh, thoughts and prayers, Eddie Huang. Yeah, thank you. No, it, I love talking about this because everyone wants representation. And, and I feel like representation is not enough and it's too easy because Hollywood's answer is like, all right, cool. Like, we need to put these faces with this skin on television and movies to get y'all to watch, cool. But we're gonna put our words and our stories in their mouths. And that's really how I felt with Fresh Off the Boat. And uh, you know, I, I always wanted to write it. I always wanted to show run it. I was never given a shot. And uh, because everyone, every step of the way would just tell me like, America's not ready for that. They don't want that. White people are not gonna understand a lot of the things are fresh off the boat. They're not gonna understand that perspective. And I was like, listen, everybody faces pain and struggle. What I'm asking you to do is to tell our story without stripping it and sanitizing it of the pain and struggle that we faced. And the seminal moment for me with that production was, they asked me to say a line where a Jewish, the line was a Jewish kid, a black kid and an Asian kid go to a hip hop concert. Isn't America great? And the concert they had the kids go to was the Beastie Boys. And my first concert was Outkast, Equemini, House of Blues, Orlando, you know? And I ran up in there with a bottle of Seagram's in my jeans and me and my brother got lit. And I was like, that's what we did. So them kids should go to Outkast concert, not a Beastie Boys concert. And I was like, of all the options, yeah. you chose a white hip hop group and you sell this show as a show about an Asian family with a kid that loves hip hop, but where are the black people? And, and even if you, are, you don't have black people, like at least hold it down, be 10 toes down and have them go to a show with a hip hop group that, that I think represents the culture more. You know, like I love the Beastie Boys and they great people. And I think the Beastie Boys themselves would be like, send them to a Mob Deep show. You know, right. <laughs> and, and so when they turned on the mic, I said, I don't want to say this. And like, yo, if you want to get paid, you're going to say this. And I said, all right, cool. A black kid, a, a, an Asian kid and a Jewish kid go to a hip hop show. Isn't America three fifths great? And I was I was just can. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I stay no. those down. I, I, I love that, that you're talking about that because there's so much of our of our stories that are now being that are now being told and uh, so many of our icons that are that are being featured in in content and that notion that you can write a great story you can sell a great story but then you got to be careful about how much control you give other people in terms of telling that story. How has that changed how you've moved in other deals that you've done or how you've decided to get your content out since Fresh Off the Boat? Well, I will say it's completely pressure from the people spending money and the audience that is changing this. And there are a few good white people in positions like 
Cujo at Focus, you know, my boss at Focus is a fantastic person and, and they want to do the right thing. And there's still always this friction where it's like, is the audience going to understand this? And when people say the audience, they're thinking mainstream, white people. But, you know, when we look at the metrics, right, I'm like the number on. one audience. Come on. We're fresh off the boat for Boogie. When we tracking, it's Latinos and black people. You know, like at least for my work, that that's who's spending the most money on it. And I was like, but, they're but gonna Eddie, but it's always it. been Drew. Drew worked for a company that tracked viewership, and yeah. we know like WB, you know, PIX, uh, in living color, you know, they use they use us to build their network all the time, right? So they know that we make money for them. So what's what's really the deal, right? Yeah. I, I'm struggling right now because we know that we over index black people, Latino people, Asian people over in maybe not Asians, black and Latino people over index and watching we're over indexing on social media of all other groups, but we don't get the respect or, you know, like what, what are they afraid of? Yeah, they, they just always assume that other white people aren't going to get it. And I'm like, you white, you get it. Like we good. And then also white people aren't the ones spending the most money on this. And for once, could we just drag them along? Cause they've been dragging us along for hundreds of years. Yeah. And I'm like, for once, could they, could we just like have them catch up? And I think that there is even a sentiment within the white community now, which is like, I right, like, we need to stop holding this up. This train is running dumb slow because of us, you know? And, and I, I, I hope that this change continues and I hope that white people can just, encourage themselves to be a little bit more curious and a little bit more like, let me watch something and learn something instead of being like spoon feed it to me, you so, know, Eddie. So wait, wait, hold on. So how is Boogie different? They, they want to take your stories and, and it's like, can you make it a smoothie for me? So this is just easier to consume. I'm like, nah, bro, chew your vegetables, you know? <laughs> oh, this is yeah. better than vegetables. Uh, tell us why Boogie is going to be different than that other show. Because you're oh, directing well, it, first of all. So there's that. Number one, I'm directing it. I had control and I was given the freedom, uh, thankfully, by focus to really explore the corners, the crevices, the nuances of what it means to be not only Asian or an immigrant, but the other in America. And then how we all intersect in places like New York City. I think New York City, Oakland, uh, parts of LA, like Mid-City, where I live, you know, when, when we get to talk amongst ourselves, live together, Asians, Latinos, Blacks, you know, women, gays, all that is, there is a lot of knowledge being transferred. There is a lot of cultures being created and there are a lot of ideas brewing. And when you, Boogie asks the audience not to look at us, you know, what people are gonna come for is the race stuff, the identity, the social issues, but what they're gonna stay for is the humanity of this story and the humanity of these characters. And you're gonna walk out of the theater saying, yo, we are a lot more similar than we are different. And that is a very heartwarming feeling, I think. Well, we're not gonna be in the theaters because it's still a pandemic. Personally, I just think people should sure. go to movies right now, but <laughs> Mr. Wong. But um, <laughs> it comes out March 5th. Uh, are we gonna be able to see it on a streaming platform as well? I, I'm not allowed to say the date, but uh, in late March, it will be on streaming. It'll be on iTunes, Amazon, all those things okay. that you usually want streaming on. 
Yeah. All right. And and this is not the Jeremy Lin story. I just want to be clear. No. And it's <laughs> hey, a Asian kid that plays basketball. Uh, this is it's so with when there you know Asians with braids in this movie. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. How do you really? Uh, and before I let you go, you have interesting tattoos, which you've always that's that's the the impetus or the, the inspiration for the ones that are on your fists, on your on the on your hands. Okay, so this one was the first one I got on my hand. It's it's the logo of a a Japanese boxing glove brand. But I got this because my trainer Edgar Santana. The first time I fought him, sparring, I just wanted to quit uh, after two rounds I was just he was killing me I wanted out and he's like you listen the gloves don't come off till the bell rings like be a fucking man stand up the gloves don't come off and I was like you know what that is a really good mentality to have so I put the logo of the glove on my hand to just remind myself like they don't come off till the job is done and then this is the star of Sun Yat-sen's flag when he created like this revolutionary movement to overthrow like dynastic China and it was the precursor to Mao, but Sun Yat-sen and, and, and the Chinese nationalists, um, we lost the civil war and we ended up fleeing to Taiwan, but this is the star of Sun Yat-sen. So, you know. All right, uh, you have to come back. I mean, I have so many questions. I, you know, I talk about the 10,000 year plan that, that the Chinese have, and I wonder if you have one. Uh, I just, I got questions. Will you come back, Eddie? I appreciate oh, you. I know you gotta go. With y'all. This is okay. fun. All right, Eddie Wong, I'm going to check out Boogie when it's streaming, but it comes out in theaters. Those of you who aren't in Texas, where they don't have to wear masks, apparently, you can go see it with a mask on March uh, 5th, which is this weekend. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, You're amazing. You're amazing. Eddie Wong. Thank you. Y'all are amazing. Thank you for having me. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.